You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, (laughs) open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Today's guest, Dr. Mary Sanders, is host of the internationally acclaimed podcast, Energy Medicine, where she talks about all things that align the mind, body, and spirit. She is an energy healer and a chiropractor. Dr. Mary has over 25 years of experience as a self-employed businesswoman and a consultant. 15 years ago, She experienced burnout firsthand and crashed hard. At the time, she didn't have the necessary tools or resources to navigate the difficult period in her life, so she panicked and ran away to the other side of the world. Now, she is wholeheartedly committed to supporting women who want to transform the way they show up in this world and experience thriving health, happiness, and purpose. Utilizing the tools of energy medicine, spiritual embodiment, and meditation. Hi, can I ask all of you listening a favor? Would you mind rating and reviewing my book, WTF Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife on Amazon. Authors depend so much on ratings. They are crucial to the algorithm and Amazon making sure this book is seen. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a sciencey skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? Hi everyone, I have a really interesting guest today. Her name is Dr. Mary Sanders. She is a medical intuitive. She also hosts a wonderful podcast, and I got to be a guest on it, and it was really great conversation, and she is just doing some very cutting-edge, fascinating work. Hi, everyone. It's my honor to be here. I'm Dr. Mary Sanders. I'm a medical intuitive and chiropractor, and I'm the host of the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we talk about all things that align the mind, body, and spirit. First and foremost, Liz, I just want to express a tremendous amount of gratitude to you and all that you're, all that you stand for and all that you're doing to educate people about, essentially, I'm going to say, 
the paranormal. Can I say that? Or is there a different word that you would like to use? Paranormal works. Um, also parapsychology, non-local consciousness. Sometimes I think paranormal can have an unfair stigma to it. So, okay. but I use the, I use paranormal myself, even though sometimes people think it has a stigma. Well, good. I, again, I think that you are, I was just saying with Liz before we tapped on to the podcast and that I believe that Liz is a wealth of information in this area of this niche. And I do believe that, you know, the listeners in the audience is really fortunate to be able to learn from Liz's experience and wisdom and, and knowledge. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So I'm, I'm happy to introduce myself, and I know many times listeners want to know what exactly is a medical intuitive, and I'd like to answer that question by giving you a little bit of history as to how I ended up at working in this industry, just because it was not a linear um, process for me, and it kind of naturally evolved through my, my lifestyle and my career choices. And so to make long story short, I was a practicing chiropractor for 28 years, and um, I was really good at running energy in my practice, meaning that I would go from patient to patient and I could match and exceed a person's frequency in order to essentially assist them in their healing journey. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time that I was doing it, but it wasn't until people started saying, how did you know that? How did you know that that was where I was having issues? You know, how I didn't say anything about my right knee or my left ankle. How did you know to go there? And I finally had to stop and to kind of think about what it was that I was doing to hold space in their healing journey. And as life happened and as life unfolds, I left my chiropractic practices and I started living internationally, living um, for 10 years, lived abroad in Vietnam and in Colombia and in Bali and all sorts of places throughout Europe as well. And it was during that time when I was living in, in Vietnam that I started to reflect upon my years in clinical practice. And I started to ask myself some kind of pondering questions like, oh, so there's an 80-20 rule principle that kind of exists. Like 80% of my patients would respond really well to care. And there would be some people that would not respond well whatsoever. And so I started to ask myself the question as to what was happening energetically and what was happening psychologically for these patients. And so then that led me to kind of dive a little bit deeper into understanding what positive psychology has to offer. And it was within that space that I started to understand the neuroscience behind meditation, which I'm a heavy meditator. So I started to understand what was happening inside the brain um, when people were meditating and what environments and what circumstances need to be present for a person to truly thrive after a medical service, such as what I was delivering. And then fate has it, I decided that I needed to go back. I understood the human body really well from the neck on down. I started to embrace what was happening within the head. And now I wanted to really expand upon what was happening in the biofield, in the auric fields, within the subtle energetic systems of the human body. And so that is where I became and enhanced my training to become a medical intuitive. And essentially, all I was doing was training myself to tap into the awareness and the information that travels through uh, various different centers, whether it be clairvoyance or clairsentience or direct knowing or psychometry or or telepathy. And then take all of those skills combined with my medical knowledge leads me right into the path of being a medical intuitive. And so the reason that I um, enjoy holding space for people in their healing journey is that I'm incredibly clairsentient, and I'm happy to describe a little bit more to you and to the listeners as to what that means, but that's the gift yes. that I hold space for for the people that I'm, I'm, I'm working with. What does that mean? Clairsentience. Yes. What does it mean officially and then... How do you experience it? Yeah, I think um, I don't have the Webster's Dictionary, but essentially when you break down the, the Latin derivatives of the word, it's just 
clear feeling, having a sense of what is happening, like a form of clairsentience could be it's uh, you're, you enter into a room and let's say that there's a party going on and you as an empath or someone who is clairsentient begins to pick up um, the emotions as to what's happening, the vibe of the room. Or let's say another situation is that you may be sitting down having a cup of tea with your best girlfriend sitting knee to knee. She may share, be sharing you know, a, a sad story with you. And then all of a sudden you start to absorb the emotions that your girlfriend is sharing. And both of those examples are clairsentient. And for me, what it means is that I physically... Like when I open up the veil to communicate with another person, spirit to spirit, I always, you know, set the intention that I'm holding the space for 100 percent, you know, for the highest intention of the person who's receiving the healing. And I meet them spirit to spirit and I ask their spirits to guide through the healing journey. And what happens for me is that the spirit then my like there will be different sensations, different awarenesses that show up within my physical body body that I start to share with and report back to the person that's receiving the healing. And I, I make sure that I understand my system with daily exercise, regular sleep. I'm, I'm clear as to what pain patterns are my own and that it's distinctively different when I am in an expanded state holding space for another person. So for example, if someone's left knee was hurting or they had a problem in their neck, you would start to feel what they were feeling there while you were doing the work. Is yes, that what I, you mean? I do. And I feel it from the energetic level, from the subtle energetic body surrounding the physical body. And then I feel it within my own physical body as well. What is the subtle energetic body? And what does that feel like? Um, The subtle energetic body is, in my opinion, an electromagnetic unseen current that surrounds all of us. And many times you'll hear people refer to it as a biofield or an auric field. And for me, with my training and my years of holding space, it has density. So when somebody is operating from an energy center where it is in full expression, it has a different size and density and vibration. Where if somebody is um, not in a healthy state within that energy center, it takes on a less dense feeling and it doesn't take up as much space. So there's an awareness. I combine not only clairsentience, but I'm also using psychometry as well. And I believe that through my years of having hands-on patient, that my psychometry, my ability to perceive and receive information through my hands is much heightened. So again, I'm opening my channels of receiving information on all levels And so it only enhances and helps me to identify and to clarify the information that I'm receiving clairsentiently. With psychometry, which is your ability to feel through your hands, get information from a body. Let's say someone had migraines or had a twisted knee. As you were moving your hands over that area, what's the sensation that you experience? Okay. Well, for starters, I'm going to share with you in the audience that I work remotely. So I don't work with people in the same room um, for a couple of different reasons, which I'm happy to expand upon if you would like. But essentially, when I am in an expanded state holding space for another person, I sit with my hands so that my palms are facing outward. And my intention is to be able to connect into the subtle energetic system of the person who's receiving the healing. And I get messages. So essentially, I set the intention to have a sending, you know, a a hand that sends information that I'm looking to hold space or to mirror back to the person who's receiving the healing. And then I have a receiving hand where I'm receiving information from their energy system as well. 
And so I may feel heat, I may feel density, like I try to push up against it and I get met with a certain amount of resistance, that's density to me. Or if another person is exuding like their energy system where they have um, other people's energies within their energetic field, I get I get tingling. Or sometimes I get sideways movements that move through my palms. Each of these, because of the the years that I've been holding space, each of these are different indications as to what I look for within the system. I I find this so fascinating. (laughs) Then what you would look for, like something might say, what would be an example that you'd get a signal of something to look for and then how would you find it? Take us through your experience of that. Okay. So Liz, I'm happy to do that. And I'm going to circle back to that. But I think it's fair to the audience to kind of describe a little bit about my own personal, my own personal history so that people can get a better sense as to this lady's wackadoodle or no, she's on to something. <laughs> and um, I want to share with the audience that I was born, I chose to come into this lifetime being hearing impaired. And my hearing impairment is 50% of the capacity of a normal hearing person. And I went undiagnosed with my hearing impairment for the first three years of my life. And so that meant for the first three years of my life, I was living in this domain, you know, that thin veil of the physical world and the energetic world in which all the subtle energy systems live. And so I was the kind of kid who didn't know that my mother was communicating to me or that there were a me- that there was a meaning behind the words. I just was reading her energy and getting the sense of what, what the overall theme of what she was trying to communicate. And I was the kid that we were, I was raised Catholic, so I can remember being a small person standing in the Catholic pews, you know, whether it be Saturday night mass or Sunday morning, and I would put my right hand in my mom's hand, and I would put my left hand in my dad's hand. And I would play this game because I, you know, clearly I had no idea what we were doing, right? I couldn't hear anything. And essentially I would play the game. Now, I'm not sure that this is a normal childhood game, but this is what I did is that I felt and zapped my mom's energy and took energy from my mom's hand. And I ran it through my system and zapped my dad with my mom's energy. And then I would do the same thing. I would take my dad's energy through my left palm, run it through my body like I was a circuit, and then zap my mom. And that's that's the kind of childhood games that I would play with myself and not knowing and nobody had you know there wasn't anybody to you know I couldn't explain what I was doing to people or what I was you know how I was playing but it wasn't until years later that you know I realized that that's not normal and so I believe that I somehow made a contract to kind of normalize to stay in this physical world and to be in this family. But I, and I began to desensitize my information that I was receiving. And so then what ended up happening is that I had spontaneous burst of clairvoyance and direct knowing in my, in my adolescence. And then when I... Can I interrupt with one quick question? Yeah, yeah. Did your mom's energy and your dad's energy, did they feel different from each other? Absolutely night and day different. So, you know, that was kind of fun to experience, obviously, because everybody's got their own energy system. And that's how I was receiving my information. So I had to I had to use and to train myself above and beyond the five traditional senses. And then, like I said, I mainstreamed myself and desensitized and then opened up back up again when I was an adult. So hopefully that provides you and your listeners a better understanding as to where I came from. You were starting to say that when I interrupted, you said something about when you were a teenager. Oh, I was having like spontaneous burst of clairvoyance or direct knowing. Uh, For example, Liz, I may have shared with you that I distinctively remember this day, and it was the early onset of school. So I was in high school. It must have been, I don't know, early August or late July. And essentially, I 
came upon a scene in which I saw a fellow classmate being loaded into the back of an ambulance. And I had an immediate knowing that he had a collapsed lung. Now, I didn't know anything as to what happened. You know, why was he there? Why was the ambulance there? I didn't know any of this stuff. And then later I went home and I said to my mom, I said, hey, I saw that Tom was getting in the back of of an ambulance and, oh, by the way, he had a collapsed lung. And I couldn't remember. My mom was standing at the kitchen sink with her back turned to me and she turned back around. She's like, you can't know that information. And how could you possibly know that information? I said, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 I really don't know. Like as if I was in trouble for knowing this, you know, for getting this information. And then later on that evening through, you know, how the, you know, the, the phone tree works, so-and-so calls so-and-so and only to find out that, find out that Tom went to the hospital because he had a collapsed lung. There was some chemicals that he didn't respond well to and some landscaping work that he was working on. Now, I didn't know the backstory, but, you know, I I didn't feel confident going back to my mom and saying, yeah, I told you so. (laughs) I just kind of kept it to myself. When you were growing up, would you have a lot of experiences like that where you would know things? Was your mom prepared for that or was this the first time? No, I, you know, I believe that my parents raised, you know, my sisters and I with the best, you know, to the best of their abilities with the tools that they had available at the time that they were raising us. So this was in the early 70s. And so I don't think, you know, nobody, nobody (laughs) counseled my mother on what to do when you have, you know, a child that, you know, is hearing impaired and is receiving, you know, information from additional senses that just doesn't that just wasn't talked about especially in the field of you know catholicism but you know when i gravitated as an adult and i chose to go into the field of chiropractic and started to really embrace the philosophy that the body can heal itself and that there is an energy an innate energy that runs through all of us that has the capacity to heal And once I started connecting in with these like-minded people, I allowed my hands and my sensitivities to come back online. When you were a chiropractor, what was some of the what the fuck weird things that happened? Did you have any (laughs) evidential experiences? You know, there's so many things that I took for granted that were common statements that people would make. And again, I just do, you know, I just chalked it off to the, the, the ability for the human body to heal itself. Like just given the prop being under the proper influence and adjusting the spine, it opened up the central nervous system for the body to heal itself. But again, I was working so energetically, Liz, that it, I didn't realize, as I mentioned earlier, that I was holding a frequency. And so I had in my, in my practice, I had three treatment rooms and I would go from treatment room to treatment room. And it was kind of a semi-open bay concept. So I could, I, sometimes I knew who I was going to walk into, but my radar was set to the frequency of what was, who was in the office. So if I knew that, you know, somebody who has a high depressive tendency and who has a really low vibration, I would walk into that treatment bay and approach that patient just one kind of energetic notch higher than that person. If I knew I was walking into a treatment bay where I had a young, enthusiastic, high-frequency kid, I would raise my frequency and, again, be one notch above. So I was sensing and feeling clairsentiently. And, again, I, I know and I now understand that the energy center associated with clairsentience is located within the second chakra, within the pelvis, and that many times will get turned on by psychometry, which is the energy center found within the hands. So here I have hands on patients all day long, right? And, and again, I didn't understand the energetic connection between the two, but that's That's what I was doing on an energetic level. And how do you raise or lower your frequency? Is there a technique or is it just some innate thing that you understand? 
Um, both. I didn't really have the words to be able to describe what I was doing at the time, but now I understand that energy follows thoughts. So if I'm perceiving that a certain person has a a certain frequency, then I can say, okay, system, energy system, go up a couple of notches. And essentially, it wasn't necessarily what I call entrainment today, but I do know that there was a resonance that was happening between myself and other people. Was there a client that got better in some way that would confuse Western medicine or something that you just knew? A very specific, just how did I do that? Or the traditional medical industry would say, that can't, that's not possible. Just to clarify, I am asking these questions to explore interesting and unexpected phenomena. I do believe strongly in doctors, modern medicine, and all the science behind it. Learning about energy, energy medicine, healing, and results is fascinating. There is a lot to explore in this area and so much more to learn. But please do not use it to replace modern doctors and medicine. Talk to your own doctor about any health concerns. Yeah, I do believe and I know that, you know, there's been disappearance of certain tumors, the reduction of size of tumors, whether they were cancerous tumors or benign tumors is yet to be specifically like uterine fibroids. Talking about uh, migraines. And looking at and unveiling like some of the history behind migraines, whether it be, you know, you have the case scenario where there's a genetic predisposition of migraines where your grandmother had it, your mother had it, you have it. But then through the combinations of the various different modalities, somehow, some way, you just don't have those migraines. You know, it's it's kind of fascinating to watch. And again, my philosophy at the time is given the, you know, that the body is under a proper influence and environment and knows how to heal itself. And so I always expressed gratitude to patients as I was working on them, for thanking them for the opportunity to be of service and, and you know, a, you know, applauding them and in doing such a great job in healing themselves. And I just reiterated that I was just a facilitator, not a healer. So you were doing chiropractic work. Then you went into medical intuition. What did that entail? Well, um, in between that, I really got heavy into meditation. And then that's when I did my training in positive psychology. And I do bring that up again, Liz, because I think I needed to have the, I was having experientially uh, receiving the benefits of meditation. And I was really kind of blown away by some of the personal changes that I was experiencing that I just needed, like you, I needed to go understand the scientific reasoning as to why all of that was happening. And to tap into some of the neuroscience behind meditation, I thought was super cool. But then once I knew the science, I was like, okay, that's all fine and good. It's nice to know. However, really a person gets to experience those changes for themselves in order to open up various different levels of consciousness when it comes to meditation. And so then that really was kind of like, oh, there's this conscious space that I'm tapping into and it's tapping into the energetic realm. And that's what prompted me to go and really train myself with intuition medicine. What is positive psychology? You know, I'm going to simplify it by just saying that it's the psychology of understanding why some people thrive and why some people don't. Any... Tips for maybe people who aren't thriving? Is there anything they can do or any of the reasons that you learned in it, why some do and some don't? Um, Most of the research, I think when you look at many people, let me back up a moment. I don't want to butcher the philosophy or the science behind positive psychology, but many people associate and and equate the psychology with the field of happiness. And so people in today's society are like, how can I become more happy? How can I live a life worth living? How can I create more vitality within my, within my physical body? 
And so positive psychology has broken down that there's certain elements that one needs to achieve in order to really be engaged within their life at full capacity. And that's meaningful relationships, being aligned with their purpose, uh, getting, you know, again, they'll talk about the proper amount of exercise and talking about meditation, and they'll talk about the necessity to be in relations with people, you know, common sense stuff, but science has backed the the validity and the research of how important this stuff is. And oftentimes people don't prioritize their happiness or their relationships or their well-being and that it brings the accountability back to the person and takes it away from their environment so that you then have control over your happiness, thus, you know, increasing your joy in your life. After you dedicated time to meditation, you then went and became a medical intuitive. What is involved with that? And how does it differ from Reiki or acupuncture? There's a couple of life experiences that happened in that transition that was like, finally, okay, I give up. I'm going to go do it. Like I've always known, obviously, since I was a young girl, that I was tapped into the energetics and my husband was, was my greatest advocate. He's like, you just have to, you have to explore this. And I had the experience of witnessing and personally witnessing the death of my mother and then the death of my sister. And there were so many energetic things that happened. I can't even begin to explain to you, Liz. And I know that you of all people will appreciate what I'm about ready to say, but I can't, I can't make this listeners. I just can't make this stuff up. So I'm, I'm going to share, you know, some of the, the stories. For example, my sister, I believe in energetic contracts. I believe that we choose who we are engaged with in relationships. And I believe that there are contracts that we make for a lifetime or for a period, you know, as short as one date. Um, You know, I believe that we contractually show up for people. And my sister, my older sister, unfortunately, she passed. And literally five days later, her partner passed as well. Her husband did. And so it it really sat me slow it stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, okay, so let me let me wrap my head around this. Like I was really trying to, I mean, obviously I was grieving, but I was like, what the hell just happened? And I I sat with it and I'm like, oh man, I need to really understand what's happening energetically between two people. And then what was happening as we as we chose to remove the the physical life support from my sister, I experienced a removal, a cord removal from my third chakra in the front to where kinesthetically and viscerally I could feel it being tugged out as she transitioned from this physical realm into the next. And that's the kind of stuff that I was like, I really, really need to learn more about what's going on. So that's what prompted me to go into the field of intuition medicine and how does this differ from Reiki? How does this differ from other hands-on work? I believe that there is an internal system. The electromagnetic current is a commonality. You know, it's, it's found within traditional Chinese medicine. They understand and tap into it when, they, when they're dealing with Reiki and they open themselves up as a conduit. uh, Intuition medicine purely is different because we are trained to open up how we receive information. So through the various different clairs, through, you know, you, you name it, you know, there's like 21 different ways of receiving information above and beyond our five traditional senses. And so as a practitioner, we rely upon receiving this information and then we've been trained how to set an entrainment, you know, that aligns with the the lack of linear time and space in that we hold the entrainment for the energy to be transferred during the healing process. And again, we're not doing the healing. We're holding a frequency for their spirit and their energetic system to heal themselves. Club Care is a charity organization founded by Emma Justice after the loss of her father, David Justice, 
to glioblastoma. Clubcare is dedicated to supporting children and families dealing with cancer. They strive to create joyful moments through meaningful projects impacting individual families, as well as larger oncology communities. Funding for all projects is raised through philanthropic donations. Go to makingheadway.org backslash clubcare programs for a complete list of programs and activities. If you don't mind my asking, have you gotten signs from your sister or mother? Um, you know what? I asked. I because I was trying to do some healing with her. Um, for my mother, yes. For my sister, not so much. And and I believe that, you know, just because I don't know, I had to work through the whole concept, Liz, that, you know, just because somebody transitions from the physical world to the non-physical world, that does not make them a saintly person. You know, whatever they left this physical world, whatever demon that they were, whatever they, you know, their challenges were or their energetics blocks, they, they go into the next realm with the same kind of issues. So I believe that um, my sister was dealing with alcoholism and drug addictions, and I do believe that she carried shame within her energy system. And when I asked, to, you know, to, to receive and to dialogue with her in order to do some own, my own healing and to assist in her healing, um, she was very resistant. She was very resistant. And it doesn't mean that she didn't show up at all. She just didn't show up in her full essence. And again, I, I do set the intention to, to hold space for myself and others when somebody has passed. If there's still you know healing that needs to be worked through, I hold space for people to go through that process. Only if both parties are willing. And then your mom, do you mind sh sharing a sign or way that she's communicated with you? At the time we were traveling, um, we were in a very rural community in southern France. And so my exercise consists of walking through the fields in the morning. And at that time, I was training and doing a lot of work and connecting with my spirit guides. And so I was opening up some portals to receive their, their assistance. And my mom came in very clearly and took, you know, she didn't take advantage of the portal, but she saw the opportunity and she just kind of, she used it to her benefit. And she was very clear in her communication as to what she needed me to do to support the family and in, in their journey and their healing process. And it was as if she was just plainly saying, I need you to do X, Y, Z. Wow. And you felt her there. You just, it was like a physical sensation that you knew she was there. Yeah. But more so for me, it was a direct knowing. So it's like the communication that was downloaded um, or the information, it wasn't like top of mind awareness. It wasn't what I was strategically thinking. I was, it was nowhere within my radar that she needed you know, she needed me to support my sister in raising the nephew and so that my nephew could do ABC. I, that wasn't what my mindset was. I was busy trying to connect with my spirit guides. <laughs> and then she pops in. I'm sure you she pops in. Right. <laughs> I'm always wanting my people to pop in. I'm like, come anytime. Bother me. Do something weird. Give me evidence. Let's get back to the medical intuitive healing you explained a little bit about what it is and then you took classes how officially do you become a medical intuitive it was a a little over three-year program from the academy of intuition medicine in sausalito california the founder and the the main instructor her name is dr francesca mccartney and from a pedagogical standpoint she's very clever and very intentional about how she moves through the various different energy system and when she trains you on those systems. And so it's very much a hand-holding experience. And I chose to, she has an in-person program and then you can do a remote program within the in-person. And then she has a full, a full online program. 
And I knew, and I still know that I'm not done having my hands on patients, but I'm very clear that moving forward, I want to hold space remotely and energetically for people. So I chose to sign up for the remote online portion so that it would force me to, to, to enhance my intuition and to receive information different, you know, other than from my hand. So that was a program that we went through and I did a lot of, during that time, I, I, when I was a student, I called out and utilized my resources of all the people that I knew. And I said, Hey, look, I'm training to do this. I need as many people as I can possibly work on. And I loaded up my schedule and, and worked on as many people as I could. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And as you know, it just evolves. It just really, once you open up into it and you trust and allow the process, it's really quite amazing. And you said at the beginning, you prefer or you only see clients virtually as opposed to in person. Why is that? A couple of different things. Liz, um, I love blowing out my system. Now, what do I mean by that? I love going into a really big expansion. And I don't want to sit in a room with my eyes closed wondering if I'm compromising or infringing upon somebody else's energy system. I just want to be in my office and I want to attend to my own energy systems. And I'm so sensitive as a highly sensitive individual that if somebody were sitting in here, they would interfere with the reading. I believe you said when we spoke, you get mediumistic information sometimes in a session. First and foremost, I'm going to preface this conversation by saying that when I was in the academy, um, Francesca was really, really adamant about not doing mediumship. Even just partial or full body mediumship, she showed us, you know, various different statistics about how, unfortunately, as medium, they potentially, uh, they give up their energy systems into a person, into another entity that is not them. And so she kind of put like the fear of it into me. However, however, with that said, um, not too long ago, I was working with a woman who is maybe going to be, she'll be 60 here shortly. And she lost her mother, who was her, her best friend. Her mother passed maybe about 11 years ago. And she has this lingering question or this desire to need to know that her mother is okay and that she's safe and that she's better off. She just needs to know with every cell of her being that her mom is in a good place. And so we were in the middle of a session. And as I indicated earlier, I'm very aware as to what energy is mine and what energy is not mine. And so I had this sensation that crept into me and essentially, and, and it was kind of interesting. And I have to share with you that I received a clairaudient tone and I was like, oh, I'm getting a download. It's, you know, just like this tone that sings in my ear. And then the next thing I know that there was a certain element of heat and full body heat. And so I hear the other person go silent. And I said, I'm just going to hold space for a moment. And so I just allowed, you know, I just held space for what I didn't realize at the time, but it was her mother. And so she came, the patient started talking about two or three minutes later. And she said, you know, I just got the warmest embrace from my mom. And so I could hear how important that was for her. And she also received information that, you know, her mom was fine. She's healthy. She's happy. She's, you know, in a good space. So that's what the the patient needed to experience at that time. And I was happy to have been, you know, a conduit for that. One thing you said is that your teacher, I believe Francesca, said not to do mediumship because you're giving away your energy. It's actually a fact that mediums get sick a lot when doing these readings. So no one knows why. Do you have insight? It sounds a little bit like you have some insight into that with what you said. 
Yeah, I don't know if Francesca would say that we're giving our energy away or we're allowing another energy to occupy our essence so that we're losing connection with our own personal essence. And you're right. She shared all the stories, you know, of how they got, how mediums die young or that they carry illnesses that don't belong to them. And I think that it is, you know, a, a circuitry issue possibly within the electromagnetic circuit that runs within us and surrounds us. And that if it is compromised or overtaken, then possibly that can create the space for illnesses or sicknesses or an early death. And and again, I don't know that to be true. That's a a theory of mine, but... No one really knows. But yeah, the mediums I know say they have to really limit how many readings. When they start doing too much, they get really, really sick. I guess my theory was sort of a theory as a possibility. I can't even call it a theory was in a way our bodies are not so discarnate consciousness most likely is, you know, our our consciousness after we pass away, if no one knows what I mean by discarnate consciousness, is going to be found to be some form of quantum particle one day, some beyond what we have now by far large Hadron Collider type of machine. Hopefully we'll be able to measure it. And it's not a type of particle that's supposed to really engage in our bodies, not in some big moral spiritual way, but just the way our bodies will not survive living on other planets because our bodies have physically evolved most likely for this dimension, this planet. So that's just one of the theories I have as to maybe why. It sounds probable. Is there some amazing experience you had as a medical intuitive where one person healed that just amazed you in any way? There's two specific instances. And, and, and I, again, I want to maintain the privacy and of the person that's receiving the healing. But currently I'm working with a gal who um, unfortunately is dealing with a cancer that sits in within the bone marrow. And since I've been working on her, I've had the pleasure of really seeing her system. Again, when I first initially kind of, when I assessed her energetically, there was a lot of porosity within her field. And so, um, and that showed up in psychometry and it showed up visually for me. And as I'm holding space and I see that the red blood cells are working in, in the, like the DNA of that, ver- you and I talked about versioning a couple of weeks ago, introducing the idea that there's a version of her that's existing simultaneously in another multiverse who is, who is living with the absence of this disease, then the, the whole reading shifts as if she can embody this new frequency. And so for me, that is like miraculous to introduce that concept and to see the porosity disappear and that I see the container of her essence more clearly. Did her cancer improve after that? Well, we have some biomarkers. Um, you know, she, you know, is obviously under doing traditional care simultaneously in synergistic with the energy work. So because there's so many other variables as to what she's doing and taking and the treatments that she's under, even if we had pre and post biomarkers, we wouldn't be able to scientifically say C C C energy medicine works because there's so many different variables. But I I shared that experience with you, Liz, because that's a a physical kind of a tangible experience. But really, I believe the most remarkable experiences come when we are working with kind of outdated and frozen trauma stored within the central nervous system, which affects the neurology and the wiring of the system. Emotional trauma. Yeah. Yeah which embeds physically. So not a trauma like a car accident that twisted your arm, but our emotional traumas like a loss or other traumas leave imprints physically in our bodies. Is that what you're saying? 
Absolutely. And those people who have been in car accidents or major physical trauma, there's an energetic, like, at the time of impact, it's not uncommon for their spirit to leave the physical body because they're, they don't know they're in a life or death situation. Is the spirit leaving or is the spirit going to stay home and it's in its physical home? But trauma, as it gets stored, whether it be physical, emotional, chemical, or energetic trauma, and whether it be from this lifetime or previous lifetimes, it gets stored in, 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 in memories within the physical body. And to watch and to witness these traumas and to transform them and create new space as a medical intuitive, I think is probably one of the greatest rewards that I've ever experienced. Does trauma, for you, does it feel physically different when you're doing the work? I mean, not that physical illness isn't a type of trauma, but an emotional trauma, does that feel different to you physically than a disease? And if so, how? I think that's a brilliant question. And I'm going to answer it by saying it feels different because... When I know that we, there are systems, energetic systems, obviously, if it's a memory, I want to look at where neurologically it's stored, and then I want to look at the physical counterpart. So when the energy and the vibration is increased in order to zap these memories, then there is an opportunity to find the counterpart within the physical body. And so then there is perhaps an endocrine system or an organ that is associated with this and it, and it traces it down into a neurological pathway. And so that shows up a little bit different for me as a medical intuitive with clairsentience being my greatest gift. So I know you mentioned that you'll know things medically, such as the boy in your high school with a collapsed lung. When people have emotional traumas and they haven't told you, do you ever know what those emotional traumas are in advance? Sometimes, like I'll, I'll know like the frequency, like I'll say, I, you know, I'm feeling what I'm personally experiencing as I sit and hold space for you is a really low frequency, or maybe it's anxiety, which is a different frequency, or maybe I see them shift, you know, within, I, I see each, each frequency, each uh, emotion resides differently. It feels different. But I try to articulate what my sense is. I don't want to influence the person receiving the healing. You know, maybe it will then be triggering for them to say, oh, yeah, well, I have been feeling this way or I've noticed that, you know, this has been coming up for me. So I'm really careful as to how I choose to share my experience. Do you ever feel it or experience it? Like, will you ever see, like, let's say someone, you know, watched probably a lot of us have listening to this podcast, you know, watched a loved one in a hospital as they were passing or hospice. Will you see the visuals of that? Or is it more you'd feel like a sensation, an energetic feeling of grief? Wow. Okay. So I remember coming into the hospital and seeing my sister for the first time in the hospital bed. And I saw, you know, through the glass, I took one quick glance and I could see energetically that she was leaving. Like it was super clear to me. And I couldn't, like, I just wanted to say she's already leaving. But I couldn't say that, you know, because that would have upset my sister, it would have upset my, my, my father. But I said to my husband later that night, I said, she, she's already made the decision. At that time, I've, I've learned, okay, I've learned, having been through these experiences, is that my job is not to help facilitate the transition. My job is to ground the space and to hold grounding for those that are still with us. Because that's how a person transitions their own contractual journey. I, I do not want to alter that in any way, shape, or form. If you're working with a person and who's had trauma who's coming to you not maybe met physically sick but if they're coming maybe for emotional trauma like a grief will you see ever what they went through specifically you like will you see their parent in the hospital or an abusive relationship or a horrible breakup like will you be able to visually see all that yes and no it's never that clear because each person 
how I receive information is dictated by the person who I am holding space for. So maybe for you, I would get more direct knowing. I would get messages. Like I would say, oh, well, this is coming from XYZ. Or you, like I can also remember early on in my training, I remember working on a woman and uh, to make a long story short, she was processing grief. And when I got done with the healing, I did my best to neutrally separate, but I had allowed her energy to filter into mine and merging with her that I just, I just sat and I just cried because she was unable to process her own, her own grief. I just was, I just was overwhelmed and just, I cried for her. Yeah. And that was actually going to be a question is, You've obviously experienced loss. We've all experienced pains and traumas and our own emotions. How are you able to tell the difference? I know you said when you were doing chiropractic work, you'd feel an energy. How can you tell if you're having an especially good day or an especially bad day? Is that you or a client coming in who's maybe feeling very up or very down? I, I do. I set the intention list to serve the person at their highest good. And I always have a really clear sense as to how I'm doing before I even go into a reading. So it becomes clear as to what's mine and what's theirs. But if ever I'm given information and I'm like, oh, wow, wow, that kind of sounds like my story. I, I do what was, what is called, I throw it back into the river. I release it. I say, you know, I, I just throw that idea back out into the river And if it comes a second time, I'm like, okay, this still sounds like my story. And then I throw it back out into the river. And the way I've been taught is that if it comes back a third time, you sense and say, and you share it with the person you're holding space for, because that message is intended for them. Many times I'll say, this doesn't make any sense to me, but this is what I'm being shown or this is what I feel. But, you know, this, this reading, it's not about me, it's about you. So maybe it'll make some sense to you. And then, you know, when it's unclear to me that I get this, oh, I know what this is about. Then the person receiving the healing obviously has clarity. And then they may or may not choose to share their personal experience with me. But most often people will say, oh, holy cow, I, <laughs> you're picking up on this. This is what just happened. And, you know, then that adds to the healing for the next layer as to what needs to be addressed. So I know you're also interested in the science and you told me you took a class at the Rhine as well. Which class did you take there? And I didn't take any classes at the Rhine. We were talking about the ions, I believe. Oh, you're taking classes at ions. I think you like the Rhine and you've taken... Correct, you know, correct. Okay. Is there any scientific studies of this work that you think are especially fascinating that people should look into? Well, I think Helene Wabash over at the IONS Institution is really holding space for the evolution of understanding truly what's happening in remote healing. So I have to hand it to her. I think she's doing a great job. She's also, you know, a practitioner herself and a scientist, so it's a nice blend. But some of the classes that I've taken over to IONS is Wagner, and I'm drawing a blank as to what his first name is, but it has to do with lucid dreaming. And Robert Wagner, Robert Wagner. Yeah. So I couldn't remember his first name. And I really enjoy listening to him talking about the various different astral planes and how, you know, what, what happens when you dream in the dream world and in in the astral planes and how you can gather information from this dimension and how you can possibly travel with other people to get joint information as well. So I I love to actually travel. And so I find his work phenomenal. Wait, okay. So I'm going to have to ask you an extra question. Has anything (laughs) remarkable happened when you've astral traveled? What's the experience been like? What's the craziest experience? Oh, one of the dreams that that I'll talk about that I know is a very spiritual realm that I travel to. And it is a beautiful place. And there's always really the dreams are always really loaded with crystals. And so what was happening in this dream, there was a mobile that was hanging from a large cathedral ceiling, a huge mobile. And there were slabs of um, just cuts of stones, cuts of crystals. 
And these crystals were placed in formats like geometrically designed to like I was I was receiving a healing. There's no doubt about it that this was all orchestrated to my own physical upgrade of my energetic blueprint. I love that realm. I love that locale. Um, I always know that, you know, that perhaps I have lots of planets that are happening within the 12th house and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming in this, in this, uh, in this realm. So I, I love that. I love those. My dog's barking. I'll be, um, okay. I'll stop. So you haven't participated yet in any scientific studies. Am I right? No, not yet. I applied to be in one of Helene's uh, groups up in uh, in Northern California, but I wasn't selected. So I'm hoping to be chosen for a future study. Well, you have to come back and talk about that. Yeah. So if you met like a billionaire who's like, I will invest anything, whatever, in any scientific study of this, what what would be your dream scientific study? Obviously, it would have to do with remote healing and showing a shift in frequency. And somehow that frequency would need to be measured in the distant remote locale. So whether it be, I don't know, it could be as simple as, and I don't even know how a scientist would go about, you know, recording the frequency of some biorhythm, whether it be, you know, the, the heart variability or whether it be brain waves or whether it be uh, just body temperature, you know, some physiological baseline that they could then see a shift in once somebody energetically remotely is intending to shift that biomarker. I hope someone does that study. And if you participate in any studies, I would love to have you back on to talk about them. So is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like me to ask you or anything you'd like to share that you haven't had a chance to? No, you've been such a gracious host and I just love your line, you know, how your brain works and, you know, in, in, in linear concept and just trying to ask the right questions. And I just really, um, I've enjoyed myself. And, and again, I applaud you for all of the efforts that you're putting forth. Hey, everyone. I'm really excited to let you know about the science and spirituality salons I'm now hosting. During these intimate events, a scientifically verified psychic medium will give all of you readings, and I will give a talk on the science and evidence that changed my mind about an afterlife. This will also be an amazing opportunity to get to meet some of you in person or virtually, and to share more about all the science and data that transformed my worldview and got me through my worst days. These can be hosted in your home, in a nearby cafe with a private room, or they can even be virtual. I've hosted a few already, and they were really special. Fascinating, emotional, evidential. So if you're interested in getting a small group together over dinner, brunch, drinks, coffee, to learn more about the science and to get evidential medium readings, send me an email at hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put science and spirituality in the title. And now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. This week's question comes from Tara M. If psychics and mediums are genuine, why do they charge for their gifts? I thought genuine ones offered their gifts for free. Hey, Tara, thanks for that question. You know, a lot of people wonder that. I kind of thought that in the beginning, too. And, you know, it'd be really nice if they could just give readings for free. It'd be nice if all really needed services could be for free, such as medical care, If you're in the United States, it certainly is not. Education, unfortunately, often isn't. Well, at least higher education. And mental health therapy, not for free. Mediums just have to make money. They don't have a choice. How else are they going to survive or support their families? 
And mediums that have other jobs tend to not be as good. Again, that doesn't apply to everybody, but it's a skill just like any other skill. And they need to really hone it and work on it and work on it daily. So if they're not being paid, they really can only treat it as a hobby and can only apply a certain amount of time to it. But if they're paid, they can work on their mediumship full time. And most tend to give much better readings when they can focus on it as their main career, just like all of us with our own careers. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. Thank you. I've had just loved this conversation. It's really interesting. I've always been way before I even believed in any of the stuff I've been studying. I always knew in some way that trauma was stored in our bodies and always had an just sort of an understanding of that. So, I mean, now this is a whole nother level of this. So where can our listeners find you? You know, Liz, I think the safest place is to direct listeners to my website. My website is a a living organism of its own. It's constantly changing and updating with my current events. And that's www.dr, as in Dr. Mary Sanders. So D-R-M-A-R-Y-S-A-N-D-E-R-S.com. get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, You don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened.